Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raising men, dude. We got to raise more men. Well, that's like the exact thing you were just saying is like the quote that I've heard is like people won't always remember what you said to them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Uh, actually I heard that. Um, I was like reading some stuff about like, you know, I had a couple moments where I might've exploded on my steps and overreacted to some things. And I'll admit that I'll be mad about that. But you know, I, w- I was watching a guy talk about it and he said, you know, you're not gonna there. You're not going to remember why you were so mad on uh-huh. April 8th of 2000 whatever. But your kids are going to remember you exploding at them on April 8th, 2000, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you got to take a deep breath. And that, co- that You can correlate that to, you know, being nice to people, you know. They're ne- you're not going to remember their name. You're not going to remember what you said to them, but they're going to remember it. And it might mm-hmm. stick with them for a long time. So we just, we got to be nicer, man. <laughs> we just got to be nicer. Just be decent people. Like, fuck, just treat people like people. It's not that hard. It's okay to joke around, man. It's okay to joke around and have some fun. and But, golly, people take it so far. People just be out on social media just being blatant assholes to other people. It's, man. it's sad. We're going to try to change that up a little bit today, though. We're doing something yeah. a little bit different. And this, I don't know, it might, it might bother people. Be like, no, you need to hate everything Minnesota, Chicago, and Detroit. And I do. But... We also want our rivals to respect our show. It's something that we've kind of taken pride in, uh, especially over over the Packers season was really a big thing. And through the draft prep, um, mm-hmm. having Vikings fans and Lions fans watching our show, uh, Jake and I joined a Bears fan show yeah. um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, just we like we want our rivals to actually be able to respect our perspective. Mm-hmm. So with today being the last day of Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, we did gratitude challenges for the first four Wednesdays, and with today being the fifth Wednesday, the last day of Mental Health Awareness Month, trying something a little bit different. We've talked about it a little bit, but uh, today we're going to do a Be Nice to Arrival Day. Um, got some cool answers on social media, some people saying they respect the the Bears fans for, for sticking with their teams for as long as they have. Um, and for the Bears for playing in an outdoor stadium. Um, Brett on Facebook said that he served over 20 years in the military and married a Michigan State fan, and being in Kansas City was the closest that he's seen to the friendly atmosphere that you get at Lambeau Field. Oh, okay. So that was cool to see. Um, For me, I know know I mentioned this maybe last week or the week before, but talking about Justin Fields, um, seeing a little kid come up to him dressed in a Justin Fields uniform and Justin Fields, you know, like walking around with the kid and taking pictures with him and signing all of his stuff. Like, I will say, like, I don't I don't this isn't like a slight or anything. Like, I don't think Justin Fields is that great of a quarterback, but off the field, he seems to be like actually a great person. Jake, I know you had a thing that you mentioned with Justin Fields. Yeah. So last week I mentioned how he 
donated to <clears throat> Special Olympics. He donated ten thousand dollars, so that was awesome. Um, on Justin Fields, I think he's a tremendous young man. I think the situation that he went in with the Bears was absolutely the worst for him. He was definitely a sit and develop kind of prospect, and the Bears were desperate and they overreached for a guy at a position that they really needed, but it wasn't the right guy. I think that Justin Fields, if he was in a different situation with better coaching and you know better developmental coaches, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and, and better weapons, I actually think Justin Fields could be tremendous. I if, see, I see why Bears fans. I see what they. I understand what they see. If but he had been drafted by Chicago. the Giants, he'd be their starting quarterback in 2023, and Daniel Jones would be a, would have remained a free agent. I agree. Something like that, and he would have absolutely killed it with Brian Dable. Brian Dable's a very good head coach. That's, that's a little scary, was, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. Brian Dable and Justin Fields, that's, that's a little and scary. Saquon's a tremendous weapon when staying healthy, so him and Fields would have absolutely lit it up. I Ooh. think he would have been better off to not go to Chicago, yeah. but for him to you know hold his head high, especially when he's had poor play on his end as well. But I think I think that's enough being nice to him, I guess, because he still wears <laughs> Bears gear. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that I was going to bring up, and the Mental Health America ladies actually shared this with us, that the the L.A. Dodgers, uh, they have a guy who hasn't played a game since, I want to say, like 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Andrew Tolls, but they sign him to a $0 contract every year so that he can still have access to the team's mental health um, mental health care. Yeah, that's that's tremendous stuff. That's right That's classy. Yeah, I I agree. Damn, um, made me made me kind of respect the Dodgers a little bit. <laughs> I know it's and uh, I know we posted this on the page also, but uh, it was just a uh, like two months ago I want to say mm-hmm. that uh, KJ Osborne, the Vikings wide receiver, saved somebody from a burning car. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Like I don't care if you play for the Vikings, like you saved somebody from a burning vehicle. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, as far as on field, on court stuff goes, I hate to say it, but the Bears' first round pick, Darnell Wright, they knocked it out of the park with that pick. That was that was that a, very was a good great pick. pick. I can't knock it. That was a great pick by the Bears. The Lions' first round picks, on the other hand, <laughs> and I'll say this about the Vikings' pick: on paper, it makes sense, but for future. It makes zero sense to me because Kirk is not going to be there for another five years. And if he is, God help you. <laughs> I don't think he's going to. JJ is going to have to get paid. He's already skipping out on, on off season stuff. Um, JJ is about to get. He's about to get all of the market bags. reset type money. He's about to get all of the bags and then two other bags in his car because all of them are going to him because he has to deal with playing for a very poorly run franchise, in my opinion. They're not great. I can't deny it. Um, I'm not saying that they're horrible. They're not like the Browns or the Cardinals. I've been hearing some crazy stuff about the Cardinals. But uh, they're, they're not them. But they're, they're also not, you know, up there with, like, the Patriots. Like, the Patriots are just, like, there's a reason they're good all the time. Or the Chiefs Eagles. or the Eagles. Like, there's a reason those teams are good all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, they just they're just a mess. Now I just want to talk about football, dude. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Friday night. 
Got Taylor in the comments saying that we're his favorite dudes. Let, let me tell remind me to tell the story about, about the Bears and Packers stuff I was telling you about today on Friday okay. night. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the show with that and see how people feel about it. So Friday, uh if, if you haven't already heard slash seen Friday, we're going to do our thank you, Aaron Rodgers episode. Mm-hmm. Um feel how you want about Aaron Rodgers. There's no denying that we had some fun moments with him as our quarterback, and that's what we're focusing on. Not mm-hmm. focusing on any of the the Rodgers Gutekunst stuff. We're just strictly focusing on our favorite Aaron Rodgers moments. That's it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hang out with us on Friday night and and uh, relive some of Aaron Rodgers' glory days in a Packer uniform, that's what we're going to do on Friday night. So you can come and hang out with us on Friday night at eight o'clock with our regular show. So we're doing something else on Friday night too. Are we going to mention that or no? No, because that's just recording. So that's okay. a secret. Oh, okay. Well, look forward to that, people. It's gonna be fire. That, well, when that starts, when that content starts coming out, we're trying to do a, a little more, uh, trying to diversify our content a little bit and get some more content out there other than our just our weekly shows. Yeah, we could be fun too, not just serious. <laughs> I mean, we want our shows to be fun, but sorry. All right, so we're gonna start with the Milwaukee Bucks hiring reportedly hiring sorry if they haven't officially announced it um, from the team yet and he hasn't had like an introductory press conference but um, Adrian Griffin to be the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks and Jake and I have collected some information some thoughts on what the what the head coaching hire means for the Bucks and we also are going to talk about some guys we'd potentially like to see added to Adrian Griffin's staff so we're going to start with Adrian Griffin himself Uh, Jake what what did you take away from the Adrian Griffin hire? So I told you yesterday I was going to start with this, and now I have to because when I was like, what? He said, <laughs> hey, Ty- Tyler's a fun guy. Don't don't knock him. Tyler's a fun guy. Ty- Tyler's the guy that will be standing there for an hour, and then you talk to him and because you're, you're just messed up, and then you're just like, damn, man, that was a funny-ass joke, bro. <laughs> so I got to start with this trade because – you know, in 2008, I didn't pay attention to sports like I do now, right? That was a long time ago. We were younger. We had different goals in life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like getting a driver's license. Yeah, you know, we, we had stuff like that going on. Um, So the Cleveland Cavaliers traded for Mo Williams from the Milwaukee Bucks. Cavaliers GM Danny Ferry announced today, this was back in October 13th, Tyler's birthday, by the way, August 13th. <clears throat> in exchange the Cavaliers sent Damon Jones. <laughs> Damon Jones, dude. Damon Jones and to the Milwaukee Bucks. Joe Smith to Oklahoma City. This is where the Bucks got um Adrian Griffin. And they also traded away Desmond Mason in the same trade. So we traded away Mo Williams and Desmond Mason in the same trade. And Scott Skiles, you know, he went on record and he talked about it. He said, uh, you know, we're gonna use him as kind of like an extra coach, you know, because he thinks that he's going to be a tremendous coach. And, you know, since that trade, he's been an assistant head coach. So for 15 years, he's been an assistant head coach. So really, we are going to find out if Scott Skiles, in some most awkward way possible, could help bring us another title. Think about that. That would be weird. That is the weirdest timeline ever. We're going to take Mullins and Desmond Mason – for a guy that we're going to have be like a player coach, he's going to be an assistant, learn how to be an assistant, you know, be a head coach. This is his first head coaching job. And he's going to come back to us when we have a superstar and help try to lead us to the promised lands. That's 
weird as hell. That's that's a, like a really weird full circle. It's like a circle, but like squiggly lines. Yeah, like like a two make a circle. <laughs> uh, he's the 17th head coach uh, in Bucks history. Um, uh, really, I don't, I don't I don't have much else. I was just really just dumbfounded by that. I mean, he he played for a bunch of teams. He played for the Celtics, the Mavs a couple times, the Bulls. Um, so I mean, he didn't get a lot of playing time, so he wasn't like a tremendous player. But he made he made one start in the finals for the Mavericks in 2006. But hey, there's that. When my guy um, D Wade won the Miami Heat a ring, he also uh, he just has the basketball IQ, obviously, because you have mm-hmm. to be pretty smart to be a head coach. So, no, yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, just leave it at that. So, really, I just I don't have much like you. I was waiting for a press conference to kind of feed off of that, yeah, you know, to get a little bit more like insight of like him as a person, but. It was reported that the Bucks, you know, liked his character. So, if they're going off that, I'm not going to disagree with them. Well, and the thing is, is like it's been reported that Giannis and Middleton were heavily involved in the process, mm-hmm. and they had a meeting with Griffin, the three of them, mm-hmm. that lasted over two hours. Oh my! So you know, and, and people are like, lobs? oh, people are getting mad. They're like, oh, they're letting Giannis run the team. It's like. Giannis is a is a, an emotionally and basketball intelligent person. Like I trust his judgment. Yeah, why would you not, dude? Like, do you hear him talk off the court? Um, and same with Chris Middleton. Like you've said it before that you think he's our our vocal leader on the floor. He is. He is. <laughs> um, Lori Nickel from the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel brought up um, that Chris Middleton devours more film than any player she has ever covered. I would believe it. So for for those two guys to be the one that are meeting with the potential head coach, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is, he was an assistant for three years with the Milwaukee Bucks from 2008 to 2010, or two years. Um, he saw Milwaukee before the culture shift, mm-hmm. before Giannis, mm-hmm. before Jason Kidd. So he's been there and done that. Uh, he played eight years in the NBA, like Jake said, went right into coaching under Scott Skiles, basically been in the NBA for 23 straight years. Yeah. If you look at it that way. So people are like, oh, they hired a guy who's never coached before. Like, he knows the NBA. Yeah. <clears throat> he has championship experience as a player and a coach. Like I mentioned, he was part of the Mavericks 2006 finals team. Mm-hmm. And he was underneath Nick Nurse when the Raptors won their championship in 2019. And they beat us. So and they did beat us. Now, oh, I'm gonna wait till I give you this little nugget. Um <laughs> he was given a lot of credit when he was an assistant coach in Chicago for Jimmy Butler's development. Oh. So there's that. Okay. Um, and as far as the finalists that were mentioned with Nick Nurse, uh Kenny Atkinson, and then Adrian Griffin, he was the most players friendly coach of the three with Kenny Atkinson being kind of like the middleman and Nick nurse being more of, you know, like the front office kind of coaching mm. pick. Um, now I got this, I got this little nugget of information from Amit man. He is a Yahoo sports Canada insider. He told me that Adrian Griffin was in charge of Toronto's defense. Oh, so people wanted Nick Nurse because of his, you know, his defensive coaching. Adrian Griffin was the guy in charge of that. Huh. 
So when you talk about the 2019, the Raptors beating the Bucks, and the thing was the wall, the wall. That mm. might have been more Adrian Griffin than Nick Nurse. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm on board. I'm on board now. I do. I told you you were gonna like the nugget that I'm I had board. for you. <laughs> I just my mind is going nuts right now, dude. My mind is going nuts. Adrian I, I now in charge of the defense. I now have full confidence that he will switch up the defense when things are not going the way they're supposed mm-hmm. to. Wow, I'm gonna be watching defense so heavy next year, man. I mean, I already do because you know we have so many good and like high IQ defenders. Right. So it makes it fun to watch defense. But man, now having a guy that I hear that, man, he created the defense to stop Giannis. Damn. He made Giannis a champion, really, if you think about it, because Giannis had to adjust. That, that, yeah, that played a part in his development. Wow, man. This is the weirdest circle of all time, I'm telling you. <laughs> weirdest this, circle of all this time. This is like you a just, seven-layer dip of a coaching hire. You just added to the circle <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> I love it, though. That's awesome. That was good um, shit, dude. And then just listening to things about Toronto's coaching staff – uh, as a whole, um, they had their game plans, and then they had basically like second and third like game plans in addition to their original one that they could kind of adjust and go to. Mm-hmm. So when people are talking about in-game adjustments being a big deal, that is mm-hmm. something that he has, you know, like baked into um, the philosophy that he's been working in in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to go away just because he's coming to Milwaukee. So I do think that that's something he's going to bring with him is having those secondary game plans uh, to adjust when things are going differently than you plan for. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, definitely just got me on board. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Glad I could help you with that. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there because I know he's one of the two guys that you're going to bring up, but Jake and I each have two people that we want the bucks to add to Adrian Griffin's staff, because um, I have seen a few of the assistants that were under Budenholzer, um, you know, thanking Milwaukee for for their last four years in Milwaukee and, and things of that nature. Um, and I'm going to preface this just by saying that the Detroit Pistons are offering Monty Williams a huge deal to be their head coach. If Monty Williams doesn't take the deal, Charles Lee is their next choice. Yeah, he's probably – well. I've heard that Monty Williams doesn't want it. Yeah. So I, I just want to throw that out there, but I will let you yeah. I will let you name your guys for the who you would want to see added to Adrian Griffin's staff. Yeah, you know I want Charles Lee. I'm a big Charles Lee guy. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's a young guy. He understands our roster from top to bottom. He knows yeah. everybody's quirks. He knows what they need to work on. He's been with them for the last, you know, four years. So right. um yeah. I would say Charles Lee. And then my next one was one of my, also one of my top choices to be head coach was Sam Cassell. I think Sam Cassell would literally just be a match made in heaven with Adrian Griffin. Again, a guy who's played in Milwaukee. Uh, he was there before the culture change. He was there when we had good culture back in yeah. the early 2000s. So yeah. um, he understands. He he would, again would get to coach a, uh, another superstar. He'd go from Embiid to Giannis, a, a real superstar. Um, and then, you know, like you said, Adrian Griffin was known for Jimmy Butler's development. I've told you that Sam Cassell was known for John Wall's development. So 
if we can get a Jimmy Butler and a John Wall next to a Giannis, I mean, sign me up for a couple couple titles. I don't know about you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and I and I definitely like the idea of Sam Cassell coming over, especially if Doc Rivers doesn't get another head coaching job. I think because, I mean, you look at off. the last few stops that he's had, and has he made it past the second round? No. Um, no. Not since Boston. Not nope. since winning a title. No. Well, I was trying to think maybe the Clippers made it to the conference finals one year. I don't think I don't they know. ever did. I don't think so. I don't even, remember. Even when they had the prime Chris Paul, prime Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, the Lob City years, those teams didn't even make a conference And final. Jamal Crawford. Don't forget about that. He was, dude, a, he was he was money off the bench for them, dude. Yeah. I thought they were going to win Lou one Williams. They had all those dudes on the same team. Yeah, bro. Um. Uh, Jake, Jake and Tyler, uh, the Spanish coach that had the Spanish pick and roll, uh, Sergio Scariolo. That's Taylor. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that I wouldn't put that outside the realm of possibility because they were assistant coaches together in Toronto. He might be onto something. So Spanish triangle. So that is hilarious. (laughs) The Spanish triangle, the Bermuda triangle. No, it's the Spanish (laughs) pick and roll. I mean, the triangle was an NBA offense that was. Really I know, good. I know. It's just pick funny. and roll, Spanish pick and roll that Sergio Scariolo runs. Um, I, I'm actually for it, uh. and it, it does make sense. There is a connection there with them having being assistant coaches on the same staff. He runs the offense, you know. Griffin stays the defense. Maybe gets an assistant to help him with some, some everyday stuff. Not against it. I'm really not. I'm not against it either. And the and this I had another guy on here for the same reasons, basically for offense was James Borrego, mm. um, because he was already interviewed. Uh, he was part of the process. So I mean, like you bring him in as an assistant for offense, mm. and, and you pair him with Adrian Griffin, who's a defensive guy. Mm. Like I like that idea. Um, and this is my other one. This is the guy that prompted me to ask you to add this segment to today's show. Mm-hmm. My other one that I'd like to see added to Adrian Griffin's staff is Wesley Matthews. Oh, that's a good one. Although it'd be really hard for him to not go out there, I think, and try to go grab a big offensive rebound for no reason in the middle of the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and and just, you know. But, like, I mean, if you look at it, um, the offensive oh. assistant and defensive head coach, yeah. That's kind of flip-flop from the way I was thinking about it. But, I mean, you bring in Wesley Matthews as an assistant, um, basically just like Adrian Griffin. You bring him straight off the court, straight onto the bench. You just have him move back a row. Hmm. Um, And, you know, he's got plenty of plenty of league experience. I think Wesley Matthews played something like 17 years in the NBA. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's, it's 16 or 17, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Wesley Matthews has the dog, so you keep that mentality in the in the culture, and he's a great defensive mind. Like you talk about, you know, who the the Bucks' best defenders have been in their last two playoff series that they've unfortunately lost, being Miami and and Boston. I I wouldn't be hard pressed to say that Wesley Matthews is our best defender in those two series. I don't know about best, but I'll tell you what, he definitely was the most willing. I'll okay. 
I and he was, he was sorely missed in that Miami series. I'll I'll say he was the most willing in the Miami series, but I I will hold serve that he was our best defender against Boston last year. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. Out of anybody that we threw at Jason Tatum, Wesley Matthews was easily the most successful. Jason Tatum, dude, how do people still? That guy's gonna make three hundred million dollars to score fourteen points in a game seven. Um. No, Taylor Matthews didn't retire, but he's 35 years old and a free agent. So, I, mean, I don't even know if he played 35 games. And that's the thing. He's like he's getting to that age where he's constantly dealing with nagging injuries, like you know the calf strains, yeah. the the tightness, the soreness, the um, the things like that. So if if he's willing to come back, I mean, like I would, I'd take him back, and you know, on like a veteran minimum or something like that, but. When we're talking about the parallels with Adrian Griffin, I mean, like I said, you take him straight off the team, put him back on the bench, just move him back a row, uh, straight from the team to the coaching staff. Uh, I actually really like the idea of Wesley Matthews becoming a coach because I think he's got it in him, and I think he's got the the intelligence for it. Tim, what's your goddamn mouth? He's old like you guys. Tim, old me. How old is Tim? Is he younger than me too? I'd be funny if he was. Tim, are you younger than you? Tim, are you younger than me? Bryant is older than you, if that makes you feel better. And so is Simon. Is Simon older than you? I thought Simon yeah. was younger. No, Simon's a whole like year and a half older than me. Because <laughs> they're all old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim said he's not. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got a ways to go before I'm 35. I'm not even 30 yet. Yeah, I got a ways to go before I'm 35, too. Four years. I don't care no what he says. Four years is a long time. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Four years. I mean, we haven't we haven't been doing this show for four years. I mean, not even not even two and a half yet. Yeah, man, we're gonna be rich in four years. What are you talking about? Hey, I would I would happily agree. It's your birthday today. Oh, nice. No Happy birthday, Tim. Why did you not tell us before, bro? <laughs> we would have made a post for you, man. You're an OG. We got both. We got oh Tim and Taylor in the comments at the same time. All right, all right. Put the gratitude back up there. Put the gratitude back up there. I I have to be nice to arrival day up there. I don't have the gratitude challenge. It's your girl's birthday today. I saw that it was Taylor's fiance's birthday. Yep. What? what I is, like that post. I know I did. What is happening today, dude? <laughs> Holy crap! Well, happy birthday to your girlfriend, and happy birthday to Tim. I mean, yeah. Tim's been around since, man, this shit was bad. <laughs> since the days we don't speak of. <laughs> that was, holy cow. Since our um, shows were 27 minutes long. Yeah, that and I had no idea what I was writing. I looked at my notes and I was like, holy Christ, what is going on here? I don't know what I was even talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm sorry, dude. I was at work all day, man. So I was not able to see like people's birthdays or anything like that. That's that's crazy. Like our I what I would say are our two biggest fans. Uh Tim's birthday is today, and then Taylor's fiance's birthday is today on the same day. Oh my goodness. Small world. And my, you know, just to add on, because I say things comes in threes. My stepson graduated from fourth grade today, baby. So I simply live with a fifth grader. Nice. Yeah, he was happy about that. He's going to middle school, man. He's a he's a big man now. Oh, okay. Sure. I said, I said, you're you're sure. gonna you're gonna realize real quick how little you are. Promise you that. <laughs> um. Okay. 
do is there anything else you want to say on the Adrian Griffin uh Timmons birthday front? Um go Bucks. Oh, Taylor's was the seventh. Nice. Happy belated oh. birthday. Yeah, happy belated. Um, okay. Here we go. So are you ready to switch into baseball? This is gonna be a little tougher. A little painful, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's start with our power pairs and underrated performers. Uh give me yours. Oh, all right. So, for my power hitter, I went with William or, yeah, Contreras. Yeah, you said the right name. Oh, dude, it's hard to remember sometimes because their their names are so freaking close. To I me. know. Um, I went with William Contreras. I know he didn't play in all the games, but he ended three for nine for the week. Uh, had three runs, five RBIs, three walks, two home runs. He was a 300 hitter, so. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. He was very productive. Uh, Homer and back-to-back games. So, got that going for us. Uh, then, for pitcher, I click, I picked Corbin Burns. Um, I feel like he had a really good outing, even though that he didn't get a win. Um, he got out of a lot of jams. Um, he had a very inspiring start, in my opinion. Um, a vintage start, I will say. Just... Just a lack of, of offense. I don't know. I ha- I I have some thoughts. I'm not going to give them away, but mm-hmm. I do have some thoughts on the hitting woes and what could change and what they need to do, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to give that away. For underrated performer, I didn't tell you this on purpose. I didn't pick one. Oh. I didn't think that there, there was nothing. The only thing underrated about us this week was underwhelming was our offense. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I told you I was going to be a little harsh on the Brewers this week. Did you know we got 24 hits in five games? That's not even five hits a game. You know how many hits we gave up in five games? A lot. 57. So you're telling me we gave up on average a little over 11 and we couldn't even hit five. I, I will say the one game against the Giants skews that a bit. Well, as does last night's game. I mean, we give up 11 the first game, 19, 6, 7, and 14. Three out of the four were double digits. Our high, our highest was seven. Yeah. That's not okay. I think um, I want to say I want to say it was like 15 of 26 games since Garrett Mitchell's injury. The Brewers have been under two runs. Oh. And their offense is second worst in that time. I believe that it's it makes me sad that Gary Mitchell is hurt. Well, and then you know also Luis Arias, a guy who could really be useful soon. Soon, he's I know, going I back on the homestand. I keep seeing it. Um, and then they need at this point they just need to call up Keston. We just need to give him another he's shot. And I know, but we when can't call up Sal Frelick either. He's hurt too. <sighs> yeah, everybody's hurt. Yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah, James, the division is pretty close. And that's and that's the thing is like we can't I mean, we're a, like a little over a month away from when the trade deadline is going to be or sorry, not a month. We're a little over a month away from the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, we have no idea who is yeah. going to win the NL Central. Yeah, we we don't know if we're buyers or sellers or <laughs> And that's the thing. And we'll we'll talk about this when we get closer to it on what we think the Brewers should do. But as as of right now, the Brewers are kind of just treading water. Ugh. 
They're just trying to stay afloat is really what where we're at with the Brewers. The Brewers are like that meme where that one kid, you know, it shows the two kids. The mom's like holding the one kid up and the other kid's like drowning. <laughs> the Brewers are the kid that's just like, huh. <laughs> yeah. and, and Major League Baseball media is holding up the Cardinals, even though they're horrible. Yeah, dude, seriously. You know, what's, you know what's funnier? Well, last power rankings I saw have the San Diego Padres at 24th. Oh, my. <laughs> the Padres are like seven games under 500, and they have like a $300 million payroll. Yeah, they have a fat payroll, dude. That's uh, and Yeah, and they're yeah like seven games under 500. That makes me laugh. And people are mad about the Brewers. <laughs> but, I mean, a little perspective goes a long way. But I will say... My power pair, I went with I went with Julio Tehran. We're gonna get to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um he did not have the best triple A numbers, but he came to the Brewers and he delivered in his debut. Mm-hmm. He pitches again tonight, so we'll get to see if it was a, a fluke or if the Brewers found something. Uh if they found, you know, some depth that they can use. Um, but Julio Tehran, for him to come from AAA, not having the best numbers and give the Brewers a nice debut, I will take that. Um, for position player, I went with Brian Anderson. Uh, I know he had the, his error last night, which is uncharacteristic by him. Um, but he has been on base four games in a row and six out of the last seven. Now, He's only been 4 of 17 in his last week of games, which isn't great. But three of his four hits were for extra bases, uh, including a home run and two doubles. And then he also had two walks. So, I mean, you'd like to see that average a little bit higher, but, I mean, still doing things when he's putting the ball in play. And then for underrated performer, I do have one um, because it's a name of a guy who's been up and down a couple times so far. I went with Trevor McGill. Mm. Made two appearances in the last week, pitched two and a third innings, only gave up one hit, only one walk, with five strikeouts, and he threw over three pitches over a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, he's got some power stuff, man. He's he's got some gas. So I, I went with you. Trevor McGill. Um that is weird, James. That is a uh, very, very weird. That is, Harry Kane is an English soccer player who wants to explore being a kicker in the NFL when he retires. So that is weird. Uh, random. <laughs> it's very random. Um, so that's who I went with for my uh, underrated performer. So let's just do it. Let's dive into the series of the Giants. Uh, game one. This is the Julio Tehran game. He made his mm-hmm. debut. Mm-hmm. Um, he pitched very well, in my opinion. Five innings, just four hits. Um, only the one earned run. He had five strikeouts and a walk. And this is another Trevor McGill inning in the third, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. It really came down to Tyson Miller in the eighth inning. Uh, he went leadoff home run, yeah. one out single, two out hit by pitch, and then back to back two out doubles. Um, that's really Damn. what it came down to as far as the pitching goes. Yeah. And then this is something that I know I've brought up is the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Mm. It's it's bad in this one. Game one yes, against the Giants, 13 strikeouts and only two walks. Yep, that's pretty horrible. I have it underlined three times in my notebook. It's uh, it's pretty bad, yeah. Um, um, so four hits to go with the two walks, just six base runners. 
Yikes. Um, so here we go. First of all, I want to say that Tehran has a dope-looking glove. I like the TL on there. Looks sick. Um, I'm also a really big fan of his delivery. He's not like submarine, but he's not like total sidearm. He's kind of like here. And I feel like that's you know tough, just the different arm angles to deal with. I don't know where Strzelecki is. So, I, I mean, Strzelecki is a little more like 9 o'clock. Yeah. I don't he's know. not I a just, submarine, but. I just liked how it was. Um, yeah, man, just. Absolutely zero opportunities, and I feel like we wasted a really, really quality start from a guy that you weren't expecting, like, a really quality start from. So, I don't know. Tehran, he pitched his heart off, and then uh, we moved on to the next day. Okay. Now, what what do you want to say about this game? Because this is the game the Brewers, they got blown out, but it really became more about Willie Adamas than anything else. But um, what what are you thinking from this game? Do you want me to like just like be honest? I mean, I won't be vulgar, but you want me to be honest? Go ahead. Why? Why? Why are we doing this? Like, wh- why do you have to be a pos? Like, th- this. These are humans. I'm so sick and tired of having this conversation, dude. I'm really holding back all the swear words. I'm swallowing them now because <laughs> I'm getting upset. I'm so sick and tired of people treating professional athletes like superheroes because they're not. Yeah. These people go home to their kids, their wives. They go visit their parents. They go on vacation just like us. They just afford more stuff. Yeah. This is a human being. And, yeah, it's going to me- – d- d- does it mess with people? Like, I literally – like, I'm not going to, like, give out names or anything. I had a coworker at a job once, and he found out his dog was sick. So I was like, oh, I asked him every day, how's your dog? How's your dog? Because I understand that dogs become family members too, mm-hmm. right? Well, one day I didn't see him in the morning. Came in in the afternoon. He came in with a big brace on his arm. So me and him, we used to go back and forth with jokes, right? Like he was that kind of guy. We had that kind of relationship. So I made a joke to him. And later I found out that his dog actually passed away the night before. And he got so upset that he he punched his car. Now, I, I wouldn't call that a smart decision, but in the heat of the moment of you reacting to a death, and this was a dog. Oh, mm-hmm. Again, I understand that dogs become family members, but in the heat of the moment, that's how he reacted to that. So how do you think somebody in the, in the moment of a professional baseball game is going to react to one of their best friends like having a life-altering you know, play happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why are we doing this? Why do we have to have this conversation and telling you to stop being a POS? I'm sick and tired of it. The fact the fact that people were booing Freddie Peralta and then defending the fact that people should be allowed to boo players, it'd be diff it'd be a little bit different if it was just a normal game. But it it wasn't just a normal game. And you know, like to your point that being paid millions of dollars does not make you immune to emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's why we love sports so much is seeing the emotions of the moment, seeing Giannis crying while the streamers are coming down after winning a championship. That's why we love these athletes. You get to see that emotion from them. Now, the thing is, is there's also another side to this coin. And I'm not going to lie to you. If you and I, let's say you and I were 
we had the Brewer game. We we were handing out can koozies and stickers and meeting fans that we've come to know from our show. If a foul ball hits you in the head, I don't give a shit about our show. I agree. And and if people were going to be mad at me for not caring about the show while I'm wondering if my best friend is okay after getting hit with a foul ball, like read the room is really what I want to say. I want to say other things, but we're cleaning it up around here. Um, I will say before it happened, the Brewers got the bases loaded in the bottom of the first inning, only got one run out of it. That's mm-hmm. opportunity lost is what I'll say there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewer, the Giants got two runs back in the top of the second inning. Uh, Tyrone Taylor did make a nice play at the wall. He almost robbed a home run, uh, mm-hmm. but did keep it in the ballpark. Um, and then a, a bloop single ended up making it three to one anyways. But then that's when the bottom of the second inning is when Willie Adonis got hit. After that, honestly, the baseball game became secondary. Um, everything snowballed after that. I mean, Ethan Small did make his season debut. Uh, I will give Elvis Baguero credit for coming in and getting two strikeouts right away after Freddie Peralta um, was done for the night. Uh, he pitched two and two-thirds innings, only gave up two hits had four strikeouts and gave up zero runs. So good job by Elvis Paguero in the midst of some chaos. But right. this game, um, Willie, I, I shouldn't even say after, it was during the game that Willie Adamas went to the hospital. Freddie Peralta went to the hospital to see Willie Adamas. Like, we're not just talking about teammates. We're talking about people who are closer than teammates. I think people, like, literally don't understand how much time these players spend with each other. Well, and the thing is, like, Willie Adamas and Freddie Peralta have spent time as roommates. They are best friends off the field. And, yeah. I mean, nothing else needs to be said about that, man. Like, yeah, like you said, you know, if if you get hurt, you know, in the, in the midst of us doing – like, say we're doing a live show and something happens and, and you get hurt, like, man, F this show, dude. I got to take care of my lightning oh. I'm freakishly large, for example. Um Jake dropped his camera, messing up, messing up a tender moment. Um, But yeah, I mean, we really, after we get to that point, like baseball really became secondary to the rest of that game. Sorry, I'm getting hyped up over here. (laughs) Out here just knocking cameras down and stuff. (laughs) But no, like what I said was like, if I get struck by lightning while we're doing a live show or something like that, because I'm freakishly large and, you know, like a telephone pole. (laughs) Like, nope, you got to finish the show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, way to go, old man. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like basically what I closed that game out with was saying is that baseball became secondary to Willie Adonis's health after that. Um, what I said to you after seeing the video of seeing him get hit by the foul ball, which I'm sure freaked out Brian Anderson, too, in the batter's box. Um if as far as going by getting hit in the head goes, like he could have been worse. Like what I said to you was he could have got hit in the orbital bone or his cheekbone and like broken one of his bones around his eye. Could have got hit yeah. in the eye, could have got hit in the nose. Like it, it could have been worse, and thankfully it wasn't. Yeah. But like I said, the game really became secondary at that point. And like I said, and and Jake laid this on pretty thick too is 
neither of us condone booing Freddie Peralta after seeing his best friend get hit in the head by a baseball. And uh, sorry, I'm going to say it. Screw you. If you're going to stick up for booing a guy after that. Yeah. That's you. That's I don't low. care. That's where I say read screw the room. You. Read the yeah, room. Screw you, dude. Like you're the kind of guy I don't want to grab a damn beer with. I don't even like that's, grabbing beers, but if you're a cool guy, I grab a like, beer with you. The defending the negativity. That's where it's like, why? Why do people so desperately cling to their negativity? And I, and I'll, I'll say one thing on the subject of defending negativity. And I'll, I understand that change is hard. I get that. Mm-hmm. But by defending the negativity there mm-hmm. and saying no to changing to, you know, at least, at least some sort of sympathetic humanity in this instance, like, just come on. We're talking like literal human being decency towards another person. Yeah. Not nah, fuck him. He gave up a bunch of runs in a baseball game. Yeah. I don't like, care that his best friend's in the hospital. You get paid millions of dollars. But then these are the same people that are like, I'm going to go there now. They're like, oh, they make a lot of money. They should donate all their money and help people out. Like, Bro, did you work? Did you work out for them so they could have this opportunity, like this amazing, crazy opportunity to play Major League Baseball or, or professional football, whatever basketball? Like, did you work out for them? Were you the one waking up at four in the morning? Were you the one working out for twelve hours a day? Were you the one watching what you eat? No, you decided to drop out of school and go work in a factory. Stay in your lane, bro. That's how I feel. This is the thing about money, and I've seen this presented to a lot of things is is just the the hypothetical like if i offered you 10 million dollars today but you don't wake up tomorrow would you take it no who the hell's taking that okay so money isn't automatically make you immune to humanity yeah I've seen so why that. would you expect a, a professional athlete to operate that way uh, because it's for entertainment yeah and especially when we're talking about playing a, a game at the end of the day. I'm talking about playing yeah. a game. Yeah. Like, which is entertainment and I understand that. And that's why this is such a large industry and that's why they get paid right. millions of dollars because they're at the highest, you know, the highest level of that entertainment. But um all the people complaining about how much money they make are paying three hundred and fifty dollars on YouTube TV for a fucking NFL Sunday ticket, dude. Think about that. <laughs> like, you're yeah. just contradicting yourself. You're adding to what you don't like. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you go and you see they got, you know, they got Brewers t shirts and <coughs> hats and all that. Oh, um, we went to 15 games last year. Like, dude. Yeah. I paid to see them play. That means I have the right to boo them. All right. Like, I'm not saying you don't have the right, but is it right is a different conversation. Mm, I agree. Time and place, right? That's why you say read the room. Read the room. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Kids, James man, said they right. talk about them like robots and not humans. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's the that's the thing. And I guess that's the bottom line is that money does not make you immune to emotion. Isaac said the boycotters are the hilarious ones. 
You should have seen the Twitter argument that I got into today. If you want to see the boycotters are the hilarious ones. Oh God. We'll we'll have that conversation a different day. Maybe we'll have it separate from a show. But Isaac, yeah, he was almost like the guy I told to touch grass yesterday. Yeah. We'll we'll save that for a different a different time. I can't believe your child is in your diaper and your profile picture. Like, what are you talking about, dude? She's like six months old in my in my picture, dude. What's wrong with you? Oh man. Okay, let's go to game three of the Giants series. Um, yeah, they're boycotting, but keep commenting on social media. That's exactly how that went today, James. Um, <laughs> he didn't even know, but he knew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's it's it's predictable by people that get mad about it, but then want to voice that they're mad about it, but can't ignore it. <laughs> right. um, <that's... laughs> All right. Let's go to game three of this series. This was the one that said you uh, were the most frustrated by when we were talking before the show. So I'll let you talk about it first. So obviously you just heard us talk about, you know, the 15 to one game. Yeah, you know, like we said, it just, it really became not about baseball after mm. that one. Right. So then we get into this one. I'm thinking like, all right, Clean slate. We got our ace on the mound. Yep. Let's go just split this series, get the feel goods back, and everything will just be back to normal, right? And I'm not trying to just forget about Willie Adamas and, you know, just be like, oh, whatever, you know, you got to get a, more like get a W for him. You know? Yeah, like let's let's go get a win. Let's let's get back on track. We still got games to play, right? So, Pick our guys up. <sighs> and I picked Burns because of this game because I really felt like he was phenomenal in this game. He got out of so much garbage that he did put himself into, to be completely honest. Three walks is not great. Four hits and three yeah. walks is not tremendous. But he only had the one or a run in 8K, so he was still still mm-hmm. mowing him down. Um, his curveball was working really, really good. His changeup was looking really good. Um, who the hell pitched for the Giants? I forgot his name now. Was that um... – was it Webb? It was Webb. Webb was – I'm going to give credit, you know, because we're being nice to rivals today, and I don't really like the Giants. I feel like they own us a little bit. Um, Webb was tremendous as well. Yeah. Um, he was mowing us down too, and his his curveball changeup was also fantastic. Yeah. So I was watching this game, and I'm like, bro, if we just get one hit, we just need somebody to wake up this dugout, wake up the crowd. Yeah. Finally got that hit. Bryce Terang, first triple of his career. Oh man, um, he was, was moving nice around those run. bases. Um, then Carantini, uh, he got he got him in, and then immediately after that, Strzelecki gives up a two run homer, and it was just like that was a gut punch, dude. That felt like a game that we could steal, where like it was just a pitcher's duel, and it just felt like a game we could steal. Yeah, and then just the gut punch, and it, uh, that was that was tough for me to take. I won't lie. So <clears throat> I'll I'll start with this. We'll talk about Corbin Burns. You talk about getting out of jams. He gave up the one earned run that came in the first inning, a 29 yeah. pitch first inning. Followed that up with a one, two, three second and a one, two, three third. Mm-hmm. Two runners in the fourth didn't give up any runs. So he responded really well to a rough first inning. Um, top of the fifth, another one, two, three, only 10 pitches. Um, top of the sixth, Burn tied his season high in strikeouts with eight, one, two, three inning. Um, 10 pitches again. So two 10 pitch innings for Corbin Burns. Um, and then the, the seventh inning he stranded two more guys finished with 110 pitches. Yeah. I was shocked. And I was shocked. Right, the Giants the there too. <laughs> um, 
So he pitched seven innings. He did have the three walks, which is where that traffic came from. But eight strikeouts, only one earned run. Um, baseball finds a way to make you feel extremely happy and one day and shitty the next. And that's the thing. Like I know we've said this a whole bunch of times, and I know I've said it specifically, that baseball is the most zoomed out regular season out of all professional sports. You're talking about 10 times as many games in a baseball season as a football season. <coughs> 10 games of ebb and flow is equal to one NFL game. Mm-hmm. And, and people treat each individual baseball game like it's going to make or break the season. And it's not. At the end of the season, you know, you know it can. But here's the thing. is It's not only going to be one game that decides these things. It may come down to a one-game finish, but it's not going to be any one game that costs you a season unless there's a game 163, which they don't do anymore. Ah, never forget when we beat the Cubs, though. That was that a was tremendous fun. day. Yes. Um, so Corbin Burns is great, and you mentioned him having a good changeup, and I'm glad you did because he had four out of his eight strikeouts on a changeup. Yeah, dude, that thing was filthy. He was – I mean, hey – we're talking Corbin Burns throwing better changeups and Devin Williams throwing nasty fastballs. Mm. Sick. Sick combo. Uh, whoa, bro. I'm just going to say this. When we get to the trade deadline, I may have some thoughts that I don't know that I've had before. You better calm down over there, okay? Just sleep on it. I I will. And Sleep on it. I'm just going to say that I have full faith in the Brewers pitching lab. I'll leave it at that. All right. Hey, don't don't say nothing crazy. We're a long ways away from any sort of craziness. (laughs) Okay. So, and I'm going to get to Peter Strzelecki here because this is another thing where it's like, like recency bias is a really ugly monster. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Peter Strzelecki giving up the home run and it feeling like a gut punch. Did you know that was the first home run that Peter Strzelecki allowed? No, no, I'm well aware, yeah. And I'm not saying that he's shit or anything, but... People on Facebook were calling for Peter Strzelecki to be traded. Tyler, if we take the collective IQ of the first 50 people to comment on our posts, dude, is is it high? Ours Ours are better than they are in groups, I will say. Okay, that's fair. If we go I, I on the Brewers page, job of cultivating not a not a large following, but I do think that overall we have an intelligent following. Okay, not our page. I apologize. If we go on the Brewers page, and we take the first fifty people oh. that commented, let's be honest. Come on, there's a lot of emotions in there. Yeah, there's a. There I mean, dude, if you go through any, and it's it sucks, and I hate that this is the case, but if you go through any Wisconsin sports team page, like, those comments sections could be sponsored by Kleenex. <laughs> I like it. There's so much whining and crying in comment sections. Like, people got to let shit go once in a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. in baseball season. <laughs> Isaac said, let's say, let's be Giannis. <laughs> I'm okay with that though, because Giannis is a good dude. Yeah, and honest, and Giannis is honest. So let's be Giannis. Uh, we can be let's be honest. I'm actually with that, Isaac. Um, 
but people calling for Peter Suzuki to be traded after giving up one home run, like really people, dude's a rookie. That's really where we're at. Trading rookies because they gave up one home run. That's where we're at. I guess. One of our, what I'll say is one of our better bullpen arms in Peter Suzuki. I would I probably put him at fourth. I'd probably put him at fourth. Off the top of my head, I'll just agree, but I haven't thought about it. I mean, if we're talking like our best bullpen guys, like Devin Williams is number one. Yep. This season specifically, I'll say Piamps is number two. Yep. I'm going to put Hobie Milner number three, and then I'm going to say Peter Suzuki. Suzuki and uh, Piguero are pretty close, I'd say. Piguero's been up and down from Nashville, but he's pitched well when had opportunities. He's given up a a couple big innings. Um, I would say Bryce Wilson's probably in that conversation. I feel like the Brewers have an underrated bullpen. I, from a I bunch agree. Of guys that nobody'd be like, who the hell are you know? But they, you know, the bullpen cost the Brewers one game, and yeah. then all of a sudden you forget about the last three appearances that he's had, and go back to the Colorado uh, series and be like, well, Peter Strzelecki struggled since he's been in Colorado. No, the fuck he hasn't. <laughs> that was three appearances ago, and he's pitched well since then. Yeah. But you're emotional, so you want to connect the two. That was two weeks ago. Thinking just like a woman. <laughs> Dude, sorry. Yeah, when you said yeah. when you said it was like three Dude, appearances ago. That are doing this shit. I know. I just made that emotional about it. It made me think of like one time, like you say something to your girlfriend, and then you don't say it for like for like four months, and she's just like, "Remember when you said it to me last time? What happened?" Like, dude, that was like four months ago. Dude, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> These things do not go together. Yeah, just, just stop. Yeah, you're you're talking like I said, like three or four appearances ago, and in between there, Strzelecki was pretty good. The one is the one outing that he gave up runs in between there was what, in my opinion, wasn't his fault because of a pass ball. Mm. So that should have been an unearned run, and he should not have gotten charged with a loss for that game. But we're really already at trading rookies. That's where we're at. I guess so, man. Um, man, Facebook rocks. <sighs> Facebook can test my patience sometimes. Man, I you know I, I use it to kind of get a a sense of the fan base for what people are thinking, but man, it's not a lot of good thoughts often. No, no. It's, and I'll say uh, that there's people out there that are that are doing our work and trying to get some positivity going, but it's not the prevailing perspective. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the game the Brewers won out of this series. Let's talk about game four. So the Brewers scored two runs in three games. That is uh, 27 innings. Suboptimal. Then they decided to score seven runs in in two innings. (laughs) They scored seven runs before they recorded four outs. (laughs) Think about that, dude. Like, What is happening here? I mean, Contreras single, Anderson doubled the right. This was in the first inning. Uh, Miller singled the center, uh, scored uh, Weimer and Yelich. Uh, Contreras homered, and that got us to seven. And it's like, what is going on today? And we were whooping their butts seven to zero. Um, Colin Ray, again, I know that he gave up the four on runs, but dude, yep. let me tell you something, dude. This, this guy, how I'm going to explain him is gamer. He is a gamer. I'm with that. Like if <laughs> I'm going to compare it to the video game, 
He probably doesn't have a great overall in the video game. It's probably like a 55 or like a 62 or something weird, but not good. But then you get him into an actual game, and you're like, this guy is not horrible. He's pretty good, actually. I mean, he had six strikeouts, uh, five hits, six innings. I mean, you ask a guy to go six innings, five hits. I mean, the four run runs is a little bit, but um, – but that that's when he's starting going through the lineup the second and third time around, you know? So these guys are starting to realize, and he's not really, like, a dominant guy, right? I'm glad you're bringing this up, and I'm going to interject here because you're on the subject of Colin Ray. Okay. This is a case study of exactly what happens when people get pissed that Craig Council doesn't have a seeing glass into the future. This is where people are like, oh, Craig Council should have taken him out after six. But you take a guy out after six when he's dominating, and then it's, why are you taking him out? This is what happens. This is a perfect case study of why Craig Council takes guys out after six innings sometimes. Yeah. This is what can happen. Colin Ray comes out for the seventh inning, single, single homer. Now he has four earned runs. You took him out after six. You're talking about six innings pitch, only one earned run, a whole bunch of strikeouts, and not a lot of traffic. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. I am not going to disagree with you. Um, I do want to give credit. I mean, Piam's pitch good, but want to give credit to Strzelecki. Um, The day before, obviously, like I said before, he gave up the big home run. He comes in. Yes, it's only two thirds of an inning, but he came in. He got a strikeout, only gave up one hit. So to put him back in there in a big time situation again, that shows that you trust him. Yep. And now he he gained some confidence just from that alone, right? Absolutely. So that's a good thing. And then Devin Williams, another four out save. I mean, we're not we. He's like Giannis now at this point. Like we're just gonna keep saying good things about this guy. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> yeah, Devin Williams is good. Um, um, yeah, but Contreras three RBIs. Yeah. Anderson two RBIs and Miller two RBIs. We only left five on base in this one, and we were three for eight with runners in scoring position. So we were better in this game. <clears throat> so this game started with a Yelich walk, Owen Miller single, uh, William Contreras single, um, and we're up one to nothing before they recorded an out. I mean, that's a great place to be. Um, yeah. Isaac mentioned Josh Hader. Don't even get me started on that because I had an argument with somebody on, on where else but Facebook yeah. about the Brewers and the Josh Hader trade. Good times. Well, I did laugh at the expense of the San Diego Padres earlier. The fact that they're like seven games under 500 and like 24th in power rankings. That is funny to me. Bro, they made all those trades last year. This would be seven games under right now. <laughs> you have like four dudes on that team that could compete for an MVP and like three dudes that could compete for <clears throat> Young Awards and yeah. a $300 million payroll to be 22 and 29. And then people want to be like, oh, my God, the Dodgers are so good. Like, dude, look at their competition, dude. Uh, that's funny. I don't know that's who to funny. compare that It's to funny me. to me that the Mets are not good either. Yeah, Mets are horrible, too. We're a small market. Spend money, Adonacio. Spending money does not even <clears throat> I've yeah. said it before. I agree. That's <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Brian Anderson did two RBI double in the first inning as well. And I brought this up. So Brian Anderson played 98 games in 2022, dealt with a lot of injuries. So I will say that, but he only had 28 RBI last year in 2022 in 98 games. 
Into this game, he had played 51 games, already 30 RBI. So, dude's been a great pickup. Yes, he is. And even though he committed his first error last night, um, dude's been one of our, arguably one of the better free agent pickups of the offseason for baseball as a whole. Um, if he gets his batting average up at all, I mean, that's a great pickup. But people just want to fixate on Jesse Winker and um, trying to think of who else. Oh, Luke Voigt. And being like, oh, they didn't spend any money on filling holes. Like, they also didn't expect Garrett Mitchell to be hurt and Sal Frelick to be hurt and Keston Hero to be hurt and Tyrone Taylor to start the season hurt and Willie Adamas to be hurt and Luis Urias to be hurt on opening day. I mean, you can't you can't come at this with hindsight and say, oh, the Brewers should have seen this coming in December. That's yeah. bullshit. Okay. So... Um, I will say it's cool seeing Andrew Monasterio make his debut in the top of the sixth inning as a defensive substitute um, and then getting his first at-bat. He did strike out. He got frozen on the fastball. Mm-hmm. But, dude, the entire at-bat, dude's just smiling. <laughs> dude's just happy to be here. Yeah, like, for that, real. that was cool to see him being happy to be here. Mm-hmm. I made one person in that stadium, I guess, happy to be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the Brewers won that game, so there was probably people happy. But, I mean, seeing seeing the way that people are acting when the Brewers are going through the tough times is not <clears throat> encouraging of our fan base. No, no, it's not. Um, and I will say, Colin Ray, you said the dude's a gamer. At one point, he had retired 10 straight and 19 of 20 since the first inning. Bro, gamer. If you take him out after the six, you're talking about a gem. Yeah, seriously. Of a game. Seriously. So, like I said, this game is a case study and why you don't get pissed when Craig Council takes out a guy a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Pi Amps and Peter Strzelecki and Devin Williams to go ground out, strike out, walk, strike out in the ninth inning, his third straight multi-inning save. Stud. Stud, for sure. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about the Giants series? Nah, they let's just call it what it is, man. They own us. It, yeah, and that's the thing. Like the Giants always play the Brewers tough. Like their record is almost exactly the same as ours. Yeah. All right. Dude, baseball is weird this year, man, with record. Baseball is always weird, but people don't really pay attention to it until it's happening to them. That's uh, baseball is drunk this year, though. Cause like, I mean, you're it talking is. about the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Padres. All being under 500. Dude, literally the Brewers could go on, like, like, say they go on a streak of, like, 10 wins in 15 games, and they'd run away with this division. Yeah. Isn't that dumb? Dude, the Pirates, what the hell? The Pirates, they went, like, their best player got hurt, and then they won, like, eight games in a row, and then lost, like, eight games in a row. Yeah, dude. It's really weird that the Cubs are the worst team in the NL Central. Nah, that's that's not weird. That is good. That is awesome. F them. We don't like them. That's funny. Um, I didn't I didn't say it wasn't funny because it is funny. It's not what I expected though. Is what I'll say. I hope they stay at the bottom for the next hundred years. That'd that's be hilarious. Um, then they can still talk about 2016. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm gonna get off the. I'm in a mood today. Um, All right. So. Like I said, they can go 10 to 15 and they can just go crazy. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, let's let's move on to this Blue Jays series. Yeah, let's here. start with last night's Blue Jays game. Uh, yeah, let's start with you from last night. Okay, again, people need to chill. Okay, mm-hmm. Adrian Hauser last week had some dominant starts. He literally was my power pitcher. He has one bad start. I don't. People, uh, I'll let you finish. People are literally flipping out, dude. Like, did you like? We talk about small sample size, right? Mm-hmm. And so, recency bias. So we didn't freak out over the over the small sample size. We were like, "That's great. I hope you build on that." Yeah, we didn't call him a Cy Young or anything. Yeah, that, that is that is fantastic. We yep. love this. This might be what the team needs. You know, a little boost. We ain't go crazy. Watch when we other just, guys are struggling. Yeah, we we loved it. Yep. We're also not going to beat the hell out of him when he has a bad start. It's going to happen. They make like 30 starts, dude. Just, just wait. I got thoughts. So he gives up 11 hits, the six earned runs, three walks. People need to literally respect Adrian Hauser. Okay. I'm just going to say this first and foremost. Yes, he's a ground ball pitcher. So, like, you almost have to. It's like a necessity. But, like, he's like really good fielder for a pitcher. Okay. Let me so, know before you're done, before you're going to move on from Hauser, because I want to talk about Hauser. So okay, I, I just wanted to say that last part because people don't respect Hauser the way they should. I'm not saying he's Cy Young, like you said. Like, like right. we're not saying he's Cy Young, we're not saying he's great. He's a yeah. good player for us. So you you could say what you gotta say. So before I give you the statistics of it, I don't think Hauser had a bad game yesterday. Hmm. I think he was a little bit of victim of some circumstance. The the Blue Jays had eleven hits. How many of those 11 hits did you see a guy dive for the ball and miss it by less than a foot? Yeah, dude, we just had this discussion. Yeah. He, Adrian Hauser, did his job of getting contact on the ground. Mm -hmm. I don't think he had a bad start. I think he did his job. Now, I went up and I added the exit velocities of all of the hits that the Blue Jays had last night. Ooh, okay. You want to take, just take a stab. So just, just. Pick a number. Usually over 100 is, is a really hard hit ball. Um, I think it's over – I don't remember what the cutoff is. I want to say it's like 95 or 96 miles an hour is so where picking, that cast cuts off what is part of like the hard hit percentage. So I'm picking the so, average, right? Uh, the average exit velocity on the Blue Jays 11 hits last night. Just guess what it is. And 95, 96 being the cutoff of what is a hard hit. I'll say 90. Lower. 85. The average exit velocity on the Blue Jays' 11 hits last night was 87.9 miles an hour. Wow. So they're getting weak contact. And just squeaking through. The double that Whit Merrifield hit that made it a 4-2 to game, 66 miles an hour off the bat. Really? Roll down the left field line. I don't think Adrian Hauser had a bad start. I think he did his job. That's fair. It's, and I'm going to say something, you know, you can you can blame the Brewers' defensive positioning, but, I mean, you talk about it, a guy being a step or two in one direction or the other, and a lot of these are outs. I agree. The Blue Jays had one hit that was over 100 miles an hour. It was uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s single that made it one to nothing. 
I gotta guess that it came from him. He he's strong. The but I mean look it went 73, 111, 99, 69, 66, 89, 93, 95, 81, 99, 92. Jeez. That you're talking one you're talking four hits that would qualify as a hard hit. Four out of the eleven? Wow. Thanks. I I stand on the hill that Adrian Helder did his job. And the Blue Jays got a little bit of luck. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's really what I feel. Especially when you factor in that Brian Anderson had a very rare fielding error. Yeah, that too. So now that we got that off our chest, people can uh, take that perspective and shove it where the sun don't shine. Only a select few of you, though. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, oh, people just want to like, people want to box score overreact. Mm. And it's something that with us doing, you know, more analysis is that we're trying to avoid that mm-hmm. the box score analysis. Cause you can look at it and say, Oh, Adrian Hauser gave up six runs. The context is important here. Adrian Hauser, you brought up that he's a ground ball pitcher. Got a lot of ground balls. Yeah. I feel, now I might go on a limb here. I feel like baseball might be the most important sport for context. Yeah. No, I th- I think I would agree with that. I feel like basketball is the least. Like you, you could tell the story of basketball through a box score. I feel like you could tell you could tell the story of a game through a yeah. box score. Now there yeah. might be like a special circumstance every once in a while, but I feel right. like basketball is the least, and baseball is the most. Because like like you just brought it up, you brought up all those hits, you brought up all the a- the exit velocity. That's why baseball has all the stats. They, baseball has all the stats. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then for their stats, they add pluses for all those million stats. It's yeah. just like, where am I? Sometimes I'm just seeing numbers at this point. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. And football, football, I would say is in the middle because like yeah. like we talked about people being like, oh, Jordan Love threw three interceptions in preseason last year, and it's like, yeah, two of them were in guys' hands before not being in their hands anymore. Yeah, agreed. And then like. You you could see like oh the defense gave up two two long bombs and then you could be like well we got our hands on both of them the guy just made a great catch you know like yeah. I agree with that yeah um, I, I agree with you that baseball is the one where the context matters the most that's a good yeah. point well and it's the longest sport and like you said people want to freak out like one game out of one sixty two like darn it man we're not gonna make the playoffs now because we lost to the Blue Jays on a Tuesday in Toronto for the first <laughs> time since twenty seventeen like come on dude like come on Seriously. Um, I mean, other than that, I loved that I saw – where did I see that? Was that Twitter? Where did I see that? That guy was like, oh, this lineup has not scored more than one run. <laughs> yeah, that was Twitter. Literally the first re- the first inning, and we scored two runs. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Um, so, William Contreras uh, homered for the second straight day, a two-run shot. Um, got him up to 18 RBIs, so he's starting to come around, starting to heat up a little bit. Got the power. He's got up to six home runs. Um, we left eight on base, and we were only 0 for 2 of runners in scoring position. So it didn't really seem like we had a lot of opportunities after that first inning. So, oh, excuse me. Really, really, bullpen was good yesterday as well. Uh, I just wanted to point yep. that out. Yeah. Um, since I people, that I have that in here. Point yep. out that bullpen was good because people are crying about it. So uh, the bullpen was good. Uh have to point that out because people are crying about it. Mm. I have silver lining bullpen. Uh, <laughs> three go. and two thirds innings out of the bullpen. Uh-huh. Only three hits, only one walk, uh, uh-huh. but scoreless. 
Um, yep. Wilson pitched an inning and two thirds, and then Milner and Cousins each pitched a scoreless inning. Um, I gotta say this because it irritates the hell out of me. Christian Yelich continues to get the worst strike zone in baseball. Yeah, the dude gets like one strikeout per series where like he gets rung up on a pitch that's like four inches out of the zone. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I will say, as far as we're talking silver linings, I have two more. Um, Andrew Monasterio, not only getting his first career hit, but also his second career hit. Mm-hmm. So two hits for him. And then the strikeout to walk ratio. Brewers actually only struck out eight times last night. That's, that's good. Yeah. Under, under 10, I'm happy. Under eight or less, I am very pleased. League average is usually between nine and 10. So if they're under nine, I'm very pleased. And they drew six walks. So I'm actually in a in a pretty decent place as far as last night's game was concerned when you add all those things in. Now, if you add in um, the fourth game against the Giants and the opener against the Blue Jays, the Brewers are now 21-6 and six in games where they score first. Mm. So they got one, one added to the win column and one added, one added to the loss column in their last two games. It's a good stat. I like it. I'm going to keep track of it and uh, keep track of how many games they score first and then how it translates, how it correlates. I feel like that's important to the Brewers, man. They start pressing at the plate, man. I mean, you're talking uh, a three and a half to one ratio of wins to losses in games they score first. Yeah, that's pretty big, pretty important. important. Yeah. All right. Anything else you wanted to say about the Blue Jays game from last night? Now you got me you got me thinking, man. Um, they score first. They can lean on the pitching, lean on the defense. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the style they want to play. They're like a – I'm going to compare them to like a football team that actually plays in the state, um, the Wisconsin Badgers. You know, you brought it up during the season last year where, you know, if the Badgers are ahead, their play style is actually a beautiful thing. Run the ball, pound the mm-hmm. – you know, run the clock rest on the defense that's kind of how the brewers are are run too just with baseball like if we score first we can rely on our dominant pitching go to our good arms in the bullpen and shut shit down well how many games have we seen this year where we talk about craig council pushing the right buttons late in games with with the bullpen defensive substitutions and pinch hitting and uh yeah i mean that's where i think craig council thrives i mean you haven't I haven't had a lot of games where the Brewers like have lost close games late in the game. Yeah, and uh, I think the problem with the hitting is, I think we're you know early in the season when Garrett Mitchell was there, and this might be a big thing. I felt like we were more patient at the plate, and we weren't just trying to hit home runs. Not and maybe reverting maybe, to their old ways a little bit. Yeah, I feel like they're they're going backwards where they were last year, whereas. We were kind of, you know, when everybody was talking about the small ball stuff, like, oh, let's just take hits any way on, any way mm-hmm. on. Like, I feel like they have to get back to the basics of mm-hmm. things a little bit. And I think that's the way that this team can win. That's the way this team is built. And that's I mean, that's why I want to keep Yelich in the in the leadoff spot. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Whatever he wants he's to got, do. He's got a little bit of a power resurgence so far. He's got, what, seven home runs in the first third of the season. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Yelich being, you know, a 20 home run, 30 stolen base guy, like I'm happy with that. I agree. Uh, but the dude, he gets on base a ton. Mm-hmm. Like he's got to stay in that top spot. So like, I will say that like 
time Craig Council messes with the lineup too much, but some of it does make sense. Some of it I I do agree with some of what people say that I wish they'd just like keep Christian Yelich lead off all the time. And I like Owen Miller as the two spot. I like that. I, I like that. Oh, Yelich, Miller, and then after that, right. I don't know. Do you want to go Willie? I would say Contreras. Contreras. And Telez. And Telez? Okay. When Willie Adonis is back, then obviously it'll change. With Luis Urias back, it'll change. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this, and I I feel bad for saying it because it's kind of a negative thing, but when the when the Brewers have Tyrone Taylor batting six, like you know they're kind of down bad a little bit on injuries. You're not wrong. <laughs> Let's just say if Sal Frelick was healthy, I'd be advocating for him strongly. I'm advocating for him now. Just get him up here. <laughs> let him rehab up here. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Let let Sal Frelick play with one hand and no thumbs. I'm sure he can hit 190 with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, bro. I was like, set me up. Set me up. I'll knock it down. I promise. <laughs> All right, so the Brewers have two more against Toronto today and tomorrow. Then they have a four-game series in Cincinnati, and then they're back home to start a series with Baltimore. So, god damn, the Brewers have a tough stretch. Yeah. You're talking about the, the defending champs and uh, Toronto and Baltimore coming and having St. Louis. like, And then you're talking about the Giants who always play the Brewers tough. I mean, the four-game series in Cincinnati feels like the only breather the Brewers are going to get. And they yeah. just – Pulled a whoops on the Cardinals the other day. Scored like a seventh, like a seven run ninth inning. The Cardinals had like a 98 win probability, and then the Reds scored like seven runs on them in the ninth and fucking won. Was that the was that the start against Wainwright? I don't remember, but I knew it was uh Helsley, a guy that Cardinals fans were saying was better than Josh Hader last year. And <laughs> it made me it made me laugh that their that their uh their prized best closer in baseball got rocked and, and lost them the game. That made me laugh. That's funny. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel weird trying to predict the Brewers record. Cause like, I just want them to, I just want them to stay afloat at the top of the central. So like, I'm not super like down on the Brewers. Like I know they're capable of doing, you know, a winning streak, but two in Toronto. And then they start with Baltimore after four in Cincinnati. I'm going to say four and three on the seven games. Uh I'm teetering between four and three and five and two. Your exit velocity shit's really making me think here. God damn it. Yeah, I don't think Hauser deserves any ill will from last night. I'm going to say five and two. I'm going to say five and two. I feel five and two. The Brewers, they always the play well. The capability is there for them to go five and two. They always play well in Cincinnati. That could it's be true. a jump start for us. Yelich will probably yeah. have a cycle in Cincy. Probably. Um, <laughs> and if they're going to swing for the fences, Cincinnati's definitely the place to do it. So, um, Yeah, and he gets four cracks at it. So Yelich will probably have a cycle in Cincinnati. <laughs> he always does, right? <laughs> He's got three against Cincinnati. That's I know, of his four nothing. total, right? Uh, what? He has four cycles in his career, right? Yeah, four, yeah, four total. And yeah, three, three of against them are against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. The most out of anybody, literally anybody in Major League Baseball, it's Yelich against the Reds. And baseball's old, by the way. Baseball's very old. <laughs> Older than you, even. That's crazy. And you wouldn't <laughs> believe it if you talked to me today. Jesus. <laughs> Comment section was after Jake today. That was hilarious. It is what it is, man. 
Alrighty, so we will have seven Brewers games to talk about next week. We may have a little bit more to expand upon with the Adrian Griffin hire if we get a press conference between now and next Wednesday. Uh, we will also be back on Friday night doing our Thank You Aaron Rodgers episode. It's going to be fun. Um, we're not talking any sort of off-the-field stuff. We're talking strictly on the field, our top yep. five favorite Aaron Rodgers moments. Not what we think his top five moments are, what our – top five Aaron Rodgers memories slash moments are. Yeah. So that's going to be Friday night. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one, uh, a lighthearted one, not full of a ton of analysis. It's just going to be talking about some old football games. Uh, and you know, Simon and Brian are some fools, man. So there's going to be some, some messing around. Uh, oh, sure. No news on OTAs yet. It's, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I know that we're like the positivity, like central, but like a part of it, Part of me like kind of hates this part of the offseason because like everybody's like over positive. It's like nothing bad. Everybody forget like Bears fans forgot that they sucked last year. Like, do you forget that you still suck? I'll say this is a unique point in time for Bears fans because they are desperately clinging to hope that Jordan Love is not good. Because if he is good, like you're talking 45 years of dominant quarterback play so like they are desperately hoping that jordan love is not good because they've been owned for so long dude so they have this time where the where it's not known if he's going to be good or not that they're desperately hoping that he's not i was gonna i was gonna tell this on friday but i'm gonna start with something else on friday now but i was gonna tell this on friday i had a dream the other day this was on saturday i had a dream listen it's about football okay Jordan Love goes into Chicago, throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Justin Fields throws no touchdowns and five picks. And one of the picks is a pick six by Jair Alexander. So he threw two picks to our DBs, two picks to linebackers. And the end of the game, he threw a pick that got tipped in the air by Quay Walker because Bears fans are talking shit about Quay Walker. He got the pass got tipped by Quay Walker, so we blitzed him off the left side, and Kenny Clark was standing right there, and he caught the interception. So he threw an interception to every level of our defense. I'm on board. I'm on board. If Uh, that happens, dude, then my dreams tell the truth. So James, on your two points, one saying as soon as the schedule comes out, everybody's predicting 12 win seasons. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people are like that. Like, oh, and I get, I get the optimistic part of it, and that's where like I. I kind of agree with Jake on everybody's like overly like, oh, if this, 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 and this happens, the Packers could go 13 and three this year. You know, they have a soft schedule. Like there is an aspect of trying to be realistic with it. And like, I've, I've already mentioned that I think I'm somewhere between seven and 10 and 10 and seven, not my official record prediction yet, but we're getting there. We're getting closer to the season, but on the subject of OTAs, it's literally been a week and a half that OTAs have been happening, it is way too soon to be making uh, assumptions of things that are going to happen from September through December based on May. It is way too soon. You're talking about eight days worth of practice and only two of which have been open to the media and you're going to base all of your predictions off of two days that you've gotten media availability from. It is way too soon to be drawing conclusions. And I get that it's people being desperate for football. And I understand, but we got to chill out. 
on Bro, OTAs. Seriously, like, can, can we can we stop? Can we stop doing this? Like, it's just it's ridiculous at this point. And I and James, to your point, man, when I was looking at the schedule, I was looking at it, I was like, man, it's kind of soft, man. But then I had to remind myself, like, it should be soft for Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, we don't know what Jordan Love is. Jordan Love right. could be good. Jordan Love yep. could be bad. I, we, don't, we don't know. I it's mean, we're going to be optimistic. Right. But I'm going to tell you right now, with how young our team is, and I am mentally preparing myself for this right now, we are going to fuck up like six games that we should win. I guarantee it. We're going to we yeah. are gonna mess up like six to seven games that I think that, you know, and, and, and football is just – you know, a game of inches. They always say that, right? It's just yeah. like the weirdest sport. I could Joe be like, Barry said there's like five, six, seven plays that make yeah. the entire game. There, and I there's there's going to be a game where like we mess up in like the third quarter with like six minutes left. And like, instead of making this pass, he makes this read, you know, yeah. and like, like a rookie mistake. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. It's still going to piss me off. But I tell you what, I'm not going to let it ruin my night. Not going to let it ruin my life. And I'm not going to go on social media and start bashing the dude, okay? Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to be a down year in Green Bay, in my opinion. We're going to be somewhere around 500. I can see us winning nine games. I can see us winning seven games. I can see us winning five games. I can see a lot of different scenarios playing out right. with Green Bay Packers. But you know what? I'm going to tune in every fucking week. I, it's it's going to be fun, though. I'm looking oh. at it as an opportunity. We have an opportunity to see potentially – the beginning of a new era where 20 years from now, we could be like, man, you remember when the Packers traded Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love became the guy? Dude, we have lived through some of the greatest years in Green Bay Packers history, and they are a story franchise. Do not fool yourself. Don't listen to nobody that says they don't care about Packers-Bears rivalry or none of that trash, right? The Bears suck a lot. The Packers do not suck a lot, okay? We are living in a very unique time period for the Green Bay Packers. That's dude. the thing, the uniqueness of it. This draft is either going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to the Packers or it's going to be a big downfall. Because I'm telling you, if two, three of these offensive players turn out, dude, oh, it's about to be on. That's like I'm saying, <laughs> James said being with his girlfriend during the game seven, like I get it. I get it being frustrated, but like, being able to rise above that frustration, there's something to be said about the emotional emotional maturity it takes. So if if you can handle that and rise above that, I'm proud of you for it. I'm proud um, of you too. I am going to troll you for a second though. At, at what Jalen Brown turnover were you the most angry? <laughs> oh, man. Was it was this his fourth straight one with the left hand? I'm not sure. Does he only have a right hand? I'm confused. How do you pay somebody $300 million with one hand? It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we're just talking about South Frolic being able to do it with one hand. <laughs> do it. Jalen Brown is a stud. Don't, don't, let me, don't let me lie to you. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when we're talking about opportunity here, the, the likelihood that the Packers go back-to-back-to-back to back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks is low. But here's the most important thing. The chances are not zero. I'm telling you what, dude. I don't love... give a shit what percentage the chances are. They go three in a row. The chances are not zero. If Ugh. they get three Ow. Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row, Ouch. and the Bears are still drafting top ten quarterbacks in the top ten, bruh. 
Wow. Not good. What's going on with you over there? Oh, my legs were getting tense from laughing, so. (laughs) That was funny. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I got fired up by the by the chance of not being zero thing. (laughs) But anything else you want to say? Brewers, Packers, Bucks, whatever it be. Um, I'm gonna say one last thing about the Celtics. For all the Celtics fans that were laughing at the Bucks last year, that were like, "Oh, we would have won if we had Middleton." I'm not cheering for injury. I don't. I don't hate Jason Tatum. But you deserve that, and you're not allowed to use that excuse of Jason Tatum being hurt. Sorry, not sorry. You're not allowed to use it. Uh, hey. It is karma. I believe in karma. I don't believe in a lot of things, but I believe in karma. What I said was if you know if, if people want to bring up the excuse of Jason Tatum's ankle in game seven, I'm like, what does that mean for the fourth quarters in games one through six? Yeah, bro. Did you see my comment to the horn guy? Because he was he was making that excuse. I was like, oh, so his ankle was hurt all fourth quarters through the whole series? Was his ankle only hurt in the fourth quarter? Did it just choose to not work in the fourth quarter or what? Oh, James is already getting ready to make Saints puns. Derek doesn't drive automatic because he has clutch in the car. Oh, man. It's too soon for puns, James. Too soon for NFL puns. We have have a guy whose last name is Love, so we're going to have lots of puns during the season. I guarantee you that. But too soon, James. (laughs) Too soon. Yikes. Alrighty. I will see you on Friday. We'll be back with another fun episode Friday night with Simon and Brian. All right. See y'all later. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.